0: Welcome to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm Gemma. This is the place where we explore our relationship with food, be it friend or foe, and how this affects our behaviour. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Liv Sarah, the creator of the Live Label Free podcast and blog LivelabelFree.com. Liv is an autism advocate and eating disorder survivor that helps others overcome their mental barriers with her coaching programs, courses, and books. Liv is a lifelong learner and loves reading the latest science on all things related to neurodiversity and eating disorders. Liv, welcome to Love This Food Thing podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Gemma. I'm honored to be here.
0: Oh, that's my pleasure. And we're actually recording this, so uh, normally I am... Um, yeah normally I do whatever I want but now I'm on camera so I can't do whatever I want
1: you can still do whatever you want yeah
0: okay it can be edited can't it
1: what do you mean by just before we continue what
0: do you mean by autism advocate
1: well I am autistic and there are a lot Mm. of myths and misconceptions and stigmas around autism and what it means to be autistic I mean Many people think of the movie Rain Man, um, and and so as an autism advocate, I'm someone you know who shares my own lived experience and advocates for autistic people and and breaks okay. those stigmas and breaks those misconceptions. Um, because I think, okay. for me, yeah, so that and we'll get into my story later, but that's what I mean when I say autism advocate.
0: Okay, and can you, um. Can you just very briefly explain your autism in what way, before we move on, in what way it impacts you, inhibits you, frees you? Um, Because I know that people who, who are autistic, everyone's at a different level, aren't they?
1: Well well that that is one of the myths is everyone's a little autistic. <laughs> um and that's Oh no, one no, of, I didn't mean everyone's oh, autistic. I mean everyone
0: who is autistic, yes. everyone has a different level of autism. Everyone I, I don't is different like with to their diversity.
1: Yes, yes. Everyone everyone's autism presents differently. Um yes, but thank I mean you. Yeah, there aren't I don't like to say there are levels and I know a lot of the autistic community doesn't like to say okay. that because that okay. kind of intertwines with like high functioning, low functioning, um, but you know, what's just most helpful is is we're all different and our capacity and our energy for different for different things are going to be different. Um, so for me, I mean, I didn't know I was autistic for the first 20 years of my life, um, and and eating the masked that for half of those 20 years. Um, so for me, you know, discovering I'm autistic, it it really gave me, permission to be my authentic self and and to know that everything that I previously thought made me weird and like an outcast kind of thing, I when I discovered the autistic community I was like, oh, this is a thing. there are other people like me um and that actually helped me to you know fully heal my relationship with food. um, And obviously, I I mean, healing the relationship and accepting our bodies is a whole nother thing that I think we're always learning and and growing and changing with. Um, But yeah, I'd say that's how it really helped me is to just accept who I am, the way that I am in in every aspect. Um, And with Okay, so you're you're not,
0: you don't, you don't, um, you don't specify, it's more just an acceptance of how you feel and embody your perceived or supposed differences, yeah?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, okay. So I'm going to keep the language very expansive. Before we move on to the friend or foe question, I was thinking about, when you think about autism, I was thinking about an image and a a, a sphere or a globe, because you're right, when you you say high and low, or levels, as I said, and you think high and low, it becomes very linear, doesn't it? Yeah. And lots of lines and squares and boxes so I'm thinking about everything in 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 a circular in a circular way okay so would you describe your relationship with food as a friend or a foe
1: well yeah that question I've ever since you (laughs) sent it in the email I was like how am I even supposed to interpret this (laughs) because I mean I think it can go both ways depending on the situation um Mm -hmm. like for growing up friend Food was my friend, um, but I was super picky. It was like I only ate macaroni and cheese with broccoli and chicken nuggets um, for 10 years straight. And that was it. And my parents couldn't get me to eat anything else. But that food was my friend because it was like my safe food. Um, And then when I when I got an eating disorder, you know, what do you mean it was your safe food how was it safe um it was the food I trusted like I I knew it was predictable and I think this term safe food is actually a really common autistic um food term um because autistic people tend to be very selective or quote-unquote picky in their food choices um and and we call this these safe foods um because they're foods that that feel safe to us um so if you have a
0: chi- okay I just want to dive into this a little bit so if you have a chicken and nugget in front of you when you're 10 or your macaroni cheese yeah and you're experiencing it as a as a safe food now but as a food that you trust was it that you had no adverse reaction was your response to it or your feeling around it neutral
1: yeah, it was predictable. I knew I was gonna. I knew what I was gonna get. And I think with the autistic uh-huh. experience, like we we tend to have a really hard time with unpredictability and change. So that's mm-hmm. what can make trying new food really scary. Um, but if you're eating macaroni, and cheese, and chicken nuggets every single day, same brand, same thing, same temperature, you always know what you're gonna get, and that's what makes it safe.
0: So were your parents trying to get you to eat differently?
1: They tried. Um, they, I mean, they offered me sometimes, you know, have this potato, have this steak tip, have a Brussels sprout. And I would put my hands on my hips and say, if you don't give me my macaroni and cheese, I'm not going to eat. And I was always a very petite child. Um, okay. I was born two weeks late and I had the weight of a premature baby. They did not understand what went wrong there. Um, and just so always, ha- yeah.
0: No, sorry. how was that though? Because that must have been really challenging for your parents. Because parents want their kids to eat and grow and to be healthy and well. And I imagine mm-hmm. that must have set up quite a challenging family dynamic. No, um,
1: I'm. I don't think so. Actually, like looking back, my my parents were pretty were pretty lenient in it. I mean, they tried, but I was very stubborn in everything I did. You know, so that was. They knew this this is Livia this is her personality um, I mean I, I did ballet as a kid um, but I never wanted to do the performances and I remember my mom seeing Livia go up on stage and me saying no I'm not going on stage and you know after a few tries my mom was like okay I'm not going to get her to go on stage so <laughs> guess this is just the way it's gonna be um, okay yeah. okay
0: okay okay how interesting what did you love so much about ballet? I didn't
1: love it. Who <laughs> um, no, didn't you? One of my friends did it. Um, and when you're autistic, that's another very common trait, is you try and fit in by looking at what other right. people are doing. And then, um, But yeah, I, I did end up doing, as my sports growing up, um, soccer or football, as they say in the UK, yeah. Um, yeah. gymnastics, and um, I ran track and cross-country. Um, wow. So I was a very active child. Um and, and with my ADHD now and everything, it, it just makes sense. I always just wanted to be running around and climbing. Um, even when I was born, um, I, I was bike, bicycle kicking my legs in the air. Oh, <laughs> we have you? a photo of it, of me on the scale. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, yeah, you came, out, you came out active and ready to go. I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so, so you get to 10 and you've got your safe foods, your chicken nuggets, your macaroni cheese. You're very stubborn. What happens then after 10 till 20?
1: Yeah, so in when I was 11, in, in fifth grade, we started... So fifth grade is, I don't know what year that is in the UK, because oh, I know the system matter. is different here, and it's different yeah. in the Netherlands too, but I was around 11 years old and we started learning about nutrition and health um and puberty and you know all the changes and you have to watch your food now you have to exercise this and you know in school um you you learn what you got to do to be healthy and my literal autistic mind just took all of those recommendations just so literally and I was like oh, I have to exercise this much each day. Um, cookies are unhealthy. Apples are healthy. Um, I just took all of this as, oh, I need to follow this perfectly. And the whole education advice became almost this obsession of mine. Um, and and so I started eating just the macaroni and cheese, the chicken nuggets, everything just went out the window. And suddenly I was e- e- eating salmon burgers and steamed green beans and things I had never liked or wanted to eat before. But because because I had learned in school, you know, this is healthy. And in my my mind and my reasoning went, well, if I want to be healthy and if I want to be perfect, I need to eat in this way. Um, that kind of spiraled just very quickly into me being diagnosed with anorexia when I was 12 um, because I was already so small. I was always okay. on the lowest growth curve. And that's why my parents were so lenient in in letting me eat my quote unquote junk food all those years was because if I didn't eat, yeah, yeah. they knew like if she doesn't eat, she's gonna lose weight. And it I have a very high metabolism too. So it was a very delicate dance. Um so when I started eating healthy and I basically started eating like a quote unquote normal healthy person, I lost weight so fast. Um and I remember my mom taking me to the doctor and doctor would tell me like Olivia it's good to drink whole milk and it's good to you know eat fats and it's good to eat cookies um because you your body needs this I was like you don't know what you're talking about clearly you did not read my textbook that said you need to eat skim milk <laughs> and all that kind of stuff um I thought like I was so smart, and I thought these doctors did not know what they were talking about. But it's you know, in, can I, can yeah. I interrupt? It's, I had, interesting, it's interesting,
0: isn't it? That you gave the authority to your school and not to a doctor. I find that fascinating. I didn't like doctors yeah. when I was a kid either. Um, it just shows how powerful school is for, for, yeah. for some kids. Go on, carry on. Yes. Yeah. So, what I want to ask you as well, sorry, is did you enjoy, did you enjoy any of the food? was it uh, sense to you in any way
1: i think i think i didn't necessarily enjoy the taste but i think it was more the endeavor the journey the that i though the the task i had put upon myself to come, uh, like to be this perfect eater like it gave me the sense of i have a purpose in life It's to become wow. this perfect healthy eater um and i think another autistic trait is you know this trait of when we want something, we are going to do everything to get that. So once I had kind of made that decision of I'm going to be the perfect healthy eater, there, there, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Um. So, yeah, so, you know, when we went to the doctor, um, she was like, yeah, Olivia lost some weight, but she, like, if she just eats cookies again, it'll be fine. Um, but I didn't eat cookies and I didn't stop exercising. And then we went again to the doctor, same talk, same discussion. Then we went again, then we went a fourth time and eventually it was Livia's just losing more weight, you know, she's she's clearly showing signs of an eating disorder. I'm diagnosing her with anorexia and depression. Um and the depression because I mean, as an eating disorder does, it isolates you. I didn't want to talk to anyone anymore. Um, I became just school cleaning and food. <laughs> That was just my entire life. I had no energy. Um, nothing interested me anymore. Um, like just the life got sucked out of me. And then I when I was diagnosed with, with anorexia and depression, you know, following that I was forced in and out of treatment for for years. Um and just did all you, the tre- Did you
0: mm, did you did you think that so here you are on the quest for perfection when you're so tired and you've been diagnosed with depression and being an anorexic did you feel like you'd reached nirvana was that the perfection or were you in some way
1: disillusioned because it wasn't what you thought it would be was there any of that I th- it, it was not at all another sense of achievement and and uh. looking back now I mean I, I felt like absolute like i i did not enjoy any of it but i think then this kind of brings the autism into the conversation i mean the eating disorder and the depression and all the behaviors you know find purpose outside of myself in these external accomplishments um Mm, because i mean it manifested mm. in school too like if i got 99 out of 100 questions on on my exam, right? It was, I have a huge failure. Why did I miss that one question? You know, um, just huge perfectionism there. But all of my kind of sense of self-worth came from external achievements I wanted them to like me I wanted to get good grades I wanted to be the perfect eater and and I mean the, the truth is that you're never going to find fulfillment or purpose outside of yourself because it's it's a mindset shift you you have to make so so that was clearly demonstrated to me but I mean I was 11 12 13 all I knew was that I didn't fit in all these all these girls all these boys non-binary people whatever like I was different. I knew I was different and I, I couldn't figure out why I was that way. And and in a sense, you know, the eating disorder and the depression and and focusing on making your world so incredibly small so you almost don't have to deal with life. Of course, it, yeah. It acts as a numbing so that you don't have to face, face the pain that you know you have to face by yeah, acknowledging absolutely. that you're different.
0: Absolutely. No, they're very effective numbing agents, all the eating disorder behaviors. Did you have any friends? Were you bullied in any way?
1: I was bullied growing up. Yeah. Uh Um, Yeah. I mean, I did have friends, although I I hesitate to use that word because I didn't really experience true friendship until much later in life. (laughs) And until I was like, wow, this is what friendship is supposed to feel like. (laughs) Um, And I actually have a, a fragment sentence in my book that says like when you're a kid you're practically forced to call everyone your friend um and I just talk about how you know I would go to the parties and play with the Barbies and do all the things even though all the time I was like this is such a waste of time like I'm not interested in this but I wanted to fit in so I pretended to like all those things
0: yeah I hear you I understand that too we're gonna take a quick break Hi, welcome back to Love This Food Thing Podcast. I'm here with Liv, Liv Sarah, Livia Sarah. I was just like, is it Liv Sarah? Because that's Mm -hmm. why I called you in the introduction. Yeah. And we just before, Liv, we were just talking, Liv saying how she just talks and talks and talks because she's got such a great story to tell. And I'm like, I'm so (laughs) sorry for interrupting you. So she might be talking and I might interrupt her again, or she might just go back off, Gemma, I haven't finished. (laughs) Well, I'll never (laughs) be
1: finished. That's the thing. (laughs) So otherwise you'll be backing off this whole time.
0: (laughs) Two days later. (laughs) So we were at the point, you we were talking about, uh, briefly touched on friendship. I think friendship does feel very different when you're you're a kid and then you get to your 20s and your 30s. But also your notion of friendship is your notion of friendship and how you felt at the time. So you felt what I'm hearing very strongly. And if you can, I'd like you to illustrate this. You felt like an outsider and you felt like you didn't fit in, which lots of people can relate to. doesn't necessarily mean that they are neurodiverse or have ADHD or whatever. So it's interesting to know how different you felt. And I guess, I guess, how did you find out How did you find out that your eating disorder behaviours were to do with the fact that you were autistic and had ADHD? Is that the right Uh, way to say it?
1: Yeah, 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 that's perfect. That's, yeah, Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, there's a lot of language around, there's no right or wrong way ever. That's all about the live label-free lifestyle, you know. Um, People do tend to... prefer to say I am autistic and not I have autism because it's okay. our identity. Just like you know, someone who's gay or lesbian doesn't say I have gayness or I have lesbianness okay. because it's how they identify. <laughs> okay. Um okay, sure. and, and with ADHD, I I do say I I have ADHD, but I mean you, some people say I am an ADHD or I am ADHD. But yeah, for me, like I know some people are super finicky about it, but for me I'm like it's really for me just I don't really care
0: <laughs> honestly I, I have a thing and I'm sorry that I said I have it's just me just pontificating but I also have a thing that our mental health parlance can become just as tyrannical yeah it's the thing that you're I don't know trying to trying to manage and then effectively people label themselves and they go, well, this is who I am. I'm this. And I tick these boxes and everyone goes, oh, right. So you're that, you belong to that syndrome or diagnosis or disorder, which actually I think's in a very, I think it's bollocks, but I think it's very Um, helpful. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, um, in many ways it's regressive and Yeah. yeah. So, but I just fell into my own trap by saying, I have ADHD or no, I have autism and sort of I am autistic. So talk to me about I am autistic and how that manifested.
1: Yeah, so, so with, with the, 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 I actually didn't discover I'm autistic until I would say I was nearly recovered from my eating disorder. Um, and all I can say about that is that the, I believe the process of getting to, you know, being sick to being recovered would have been a lot easier and just, less long and traumatic if I had known I was autistic and if other people had known how to accommodate that, which unfortunately still many healthcare professionals just don't. Um But yeah, I mean, I was tossed in and out of treatment. And just because the eating disorder was presenting itself so differently than what providers you know were used to Um, how did it present
0: itself then were you just were you not eating and only eating a select amount of food so how was it different yeah well
1: the, the thing is um I never reached this point where I was not eating and I think that's almost the first thing that comes up for me is you know when people say heal anorexia or something they have this picture of oh this person is eating one carrot stick a day and They're magically still surviving, even though they look like a skeleton kind of thing. But for me, I was, I was honestly eating three meals a day, and and it was like for a a person that doesn't have a very high metabolism, it would have been fine for them. Um, Like it was still multiple thousand calories, (laughs) Um, and but it was all very. There was a lot of rules around it, and it, it had to only be healthy, and it all had to be weighed and measured out in just perfect portions and it had to be eaten at certain times um like if i had my afternoon snack at like 4 p.m and if it was 4 15 i would be like i would just have a complete breakdown because i'd be like it's uh. too late now the whole day is messed up now wow. my whole life is ruined i want to die kind of thing. <laughs> like it was just right. so ritualized and um and also the exercise compulsion was a huge part of it for me too, but that as well, it was not, I need to exercise to burn calories or to lose weight. It was, I exercise every day. This is my routine. This is my structure. So it has to be the same way tomorrow and the next day. Um, and, and for me, you know, a lot of these food rules and the time and the structure and I I can't eat more Not because I'm afraid of weight gain, but I can't eat more because it's change. It's different. It's unpredictable. That's Uh, why, you know, the the eating disorder was a manifestation of the autistic traits. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. Okay. But
1: but for years, they, they were the professionals were telling me. You're lying like you do want to lose weight, but you're not telling the truth. you know treatment would only be helpful if you were honest with us. So they were gaslighting me all the time, which of course made everything worse because I clung to the structure and the routine even more because that was my safety net. Yeah 100 um, percent so but
0: when you were when you were in, a, you were in, in treatment, actually in yeah. treatment and not at home, I imagine yeah. it was very rigid and very structured, so I imagine you thrived.
1: Um I wouldn't say thrived. I would say that I did present as the perfect patient as they say. Okay. Um okay. you know, always eating everything, eating my whole meal plan. Um but but when I went to the bathroom and I closed the door, I would go secretly exercise in there and I learned how to hide food. Um and and all of these, you know, again, outwardly I was the perfect patient, but internally I was just like this is bull**** why am i here i didn't think i was sick for a very long time i was like you all guys you don't know what you're talking about you don't know what you're doing and the the therapy and the dbt and the cbt and the fbt and my god that was just all to me (laughs) um like i remember when we had the dbt book and i would just hide my sudoku book or my novel and just pretend to be engaging while doing some other thing cuz i was like um, this is such bullshit. like and what's what's dbt? dialectical behavioral therapy?
0: dialectical behavior therapy. okay. and cbt yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. and what was the
1: other one you mentioned? fbt which is family-based therapy. um and that's otherwise called the maudsley method. um and that's when That's typically, you know, when you're at home or when you're transitioning to going home. And that's basically when the parents take over the food preparation. The child isn't even allowed to choose what they're eating. They're not allowed to be in the kitchen. They're not allowed to come to the grocery store. Basically, all autonomy is taken away. Um, But of course, me as an autistic person who wants control and is stubborn was like, well, you're going to try and take away my autonomy. Well, I'm going to show you, you can't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's what led the eating disorder just to become worse because that's when the food hiding and the secret exercise got really bad because I was like, you can't tell me what to do. Um, and I was going to do everything in my power to, to prove that that no one could tell me what I had to do.
0: Ah, So interesting. Before we move on, just quickly tell me what dialectical behavioural therapy entails very briefly.
1: I'm, I'm obviously going to start laughing because I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> like, right, okay. I'm, like, I'm serious. Like, everything that I learned in eight because <laughs> of treatment, I don't remember one bit of it because I was so wow. disconnected. I was so disconnected.
0: Wow. Yeah. And yeah. no one realized? Not your parents? No one?
1: No. Well, no one knew. Everyone was just like, she's sick. She's not performing the normal human function of eating enough food um she's sad she doesn't have many friends she's perfectionistic and my parents were like okay well these professionals are so confident and they're saying we we've handled hundreds of eating disorders we know yeah. what we're talking about like if you just follow our protocol your kid is gonna get better well what does any desperate parent do okay professionals will listen mm. to you <laughs> uh, wow
0: yeah okay so How did you finally receive your, can I say, diagnosis? Is that correct? Yeah. How did that Um,
1: happen? Yeah, so in 2017, that's after I had been just tossed out of treatment for like the seventh time because I was manipulative and too complex and non-compliant, doesn't engage with treatment, all all the things you can think of. Um, That's when I was kind of just sent off home and, and I was told, you know, Good luck. You're probably gonna die, or you're going to have to have this illness for the rest of your life. But you have gone through, through so many treatments, and none of it has helped. So you're probably just never gonna get better. Like we're shooting, we're shooting of that. Um, so that's kind of when things got really dark. Um, I just the eating disorder just became my entire life. Um, I was running and weighing food and entering the calories in my app and grocery shopping and looking up photos of food just all the time I wasn't sleeping I was exhausted um but but in 20 and then I started having really bad panic attacks um because my brain was so malnourished um and the panic attacks went on for I think probably six months if not longer and they just got worse and worse and worse to the point where my mom would have dinner five minutes late and I would just break down and run away in the middle of the winter on my bare feet and saying oh, would she you? You would
0: you'd physically run away
1: yeah, I would run away and, and I would like say these ultimatums like, if you don't come after me, it means you don't love me. Wow. Just things like this. Um and and as you can and as now looking back, I can so clearly see from that I was just begging for validation and I was begging for love. Um because it wasn't coming from within myself. I was still relying on others to say, You are worthy, you are enough, you're allowed to to live and to eat, um, but again, um, I digress. So, so at one point, you know, the panic attacks just got so, so bad that my my sisters, because I have two younger sisters, were just sitting in the kitchen corner trembling. They were absolutely terrified of me and what I was going to do next because I hit my mom. I threw a teapot she had painted for hours I smashed it into the wall because she hadn't counted my almonds correctly um I I was I wasn't myself it was I was like possessed by the eating disorder devil or whatever it was and when I saw that one night like what I was doing and I was like this isn't even about me anymore I am my sisters are terrified of the older sister that was kind of almost the moment that I said I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. to get help. I have to get better. I have to eat more. Like even though it's going to terrify me to not exercise and to eat other things, like I, I literally am going to die if I keep going this way. Um, so that's when I decided to actually go back to the United States because that's where I grew up. Um, to to go to treatment. Um, because I knew that I needed a complete change of environment i knew that i wasn't going to get better in my own house because just of my associations with that kitchen and that scale and that drawer and everything um so we raised a ton of money via gofundme for me to go to treatment in the u.s and i was there for six months and, and what I, kind of treatment was it it was inpatient. um it, so was, it was it
0: still eating disorder patient i mean treatment or was it something different it was it
1: was eating disorder treatment but I think, the, and a lot of people ask me, like, well, what was different about this treatment that made it work? It wasn't that the treatment worked because treatment doesn't work. People work, right? Yeah, no one yeah. can save you from your eating disorder. Only you can. The only difference this time was that I wanted to go. It was my decision. I wanted to get better. Um, because the treatment itself, it didn't, it didn't do shit. I mean, I gained the weight, but that's only because I ate all the food. But mentally same thing dbt cbt but at that time i was like you know this is all bullshit but i'll sit here i'll secretly do my sudoku as long as i'm gaining the weight and eating the food i'll get out of here and i'm gonna get better that was kind of my (laughs) thought process
0: i think it's interesting as well because you were talking about i don't know you can maybe call it a light bulb moment when your sisters are terrified of you and you've smashed your mum's pot and you could have gone either way, couldn't you? Because you could have gone, I just don't want to live anymore because it's just too difficult. And actually you didn't. You mm-hmm. went, I want to get well because you were having such a detrimental effect. Your behaviour, not you, your behaviour was having such a detrimental effect mm-hmm. on the people that you love the most, I imagine. Right, yeah. So that's quite mega, isn't it? Something inside of you when, yeah, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm gonna. I'm going to work through this. Because not everyone has those moments or, or even things no. like that.
1: Okay. No, so,
0: and also it's you're true. right, it's, it's about relationships. It's not about the treatment, it's about relationships and um, developing that relationship with yourself. Yeah, obviously, more cliche. So, okay, <laughs> so you you do six months of treatment and you're doing your Sudoku. So why is it different? What happens?
1: Well, I, I gain the weight. I mean, that's okay. what happens. But again, mentally... I mean... Yeah, emotionally not, what happens? Uh, emotionally, I mean, I just became more stable, obviously, because okay. I was my brain was being fed food and right. nutrients. So, um, yeah, so I mean, but my therapist, when I left, I remember her saying this one sentence, that will stay with me forever. And she said, on the day I left now the real work begins and I never knew what she meant by that (laughs) until I came back home and I was like holy shit I'm on my own now um and you know from that point that was in 2000 the end of 2017 that's I, I literally came back home the day before Christmas I'm not even joking um and and I I was like wow like I don't even know what to do now because I didn't know what my life was without an eating disorder. I mean, I was 11. I didn't know who I was. And I'd say with, you know, that sentence, now the real work begins, that was really the start of my self-discovery journey. Um, It went with major ups and downs. um, But because I was longing for this connection and this understanding, that's also when I was just really sharing my story more on Instagram and I started my own website and I had a blog. And and I, I was really building this community of peop- other people with eating disorders, and I was like, I'm, I'm not alone in this. Yet at the same time, a lot of what they were talking about just didn't resonate with me because I didn't have that fear of weight gain or fear of fatness or body image. I never had any of that. Um, and but, I, but I mean, I, I would say that to the degree that you can be recovered, I believed I was recovered by like the how the professionals would define it. Um, like no eating disorder thoughts anymore, whatever. Um, so in 2020, um, I was like, I'm recovered from my eating disorder. I want to help other people recover from their eating disorder. So I started my own coaching business. Um, and my very first client was autistic. Um, and I just remember, asking her, like, why do you reach out to me? I, I was having huge imposter syndrome at this time because I was like, I don't even know what the f I'm doing. <laughs> I'm coaching people. <laughs> like, I didn't do any training or any certification or anything like that. Yeah. Um. And, and she was saying like, well, you have this story on your blog about... Um, And I had written, you know, that I was labeled as too complex and thrown out of the system and all that. And she said, yeah, well, me too. Like, I've gone through all these treatments and I was told that I was non-compliant and never going to get better. Um, So you're my last hope, Olivia. And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) what am I I doing? And um, just she was telling me about being autistic and how that, you know, manifested as her eating disorder. And I was like, holy Like, this is the missing piece. Like, it felt like she was describing me. Um, And I actually helped her recover almost just by, you know, building that relationship, building that safety, building that connection of you're not alone kind of thing. Um, And I just gave her tools that had helped me. Um, But anyways, fast forward to me discovering I'm autistic. She, um, yeah, she was just telling me about autism. And I was like, this is just this is just so crazy. So um I read this book called Asperger Girls um, by Rudy Simone. And it's a book specifically for, you know, women on the spectrum. And I like I read the first page of that book, and I have never read a book that quickly in my entire life. And okay, hold was, it, hold it, hold yeah. it. We're gonna yeah. come
0: right back. We're gonna come right back. Welcome back to Love This 15 Podcast. I'm here with Liv and Liv read Asperger Girls.
1: Aspergirls.
0: Aspergirls. I oh, wanted to yeah. say Asperger, like Asperger. Because it
1: is Aspergirls, but it's, of course, a plan word, Aspergirls. As, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Aspergirls.
0: <laughs> she read the first page and it changed her life. And I just asked her in the break if she remembered what was on the first page. I mean, how many of us do? And she said, no, I could pull it up. And I said, but do you remember the feeling? Because life is a journey of emotion and feeling, right?
1: Yeah.
0: That's how we get, that's how we get through yeah. all, all of it. So how did you feel when you read that first page?
1: I felt seen. I felt not alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I felt connected wow. to something beyond myself. And I had never had that feeling in my entire life.
0: <laughs> wow. That's mega, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it That's was absolutely huge. Mega. It was
1: yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a of, of a metaphor. Um <laughs> but it's almost no. like, you know, just yeah, I felt like I was a different species. And by reading that book, I was like, It was a species just like me.
0: (laughs) Okay. Did you have, as you read the book, did you start feeling relieved?
1: Yeah. And and at the same time, I felt felt really upset and I felt a lot of regret Um, because as I was reading the book, just page by page, I was seeing, wow, all of these traits, all of these behaviors, all of these preferences that I've had my entire life, for nearly eight years, these were called by professionals eating disorder behaviors. And I was like, wow, I have been so traumatized and I didn't even know it. Um, wow. So that was really hard for me to to accept that, you know, I had almost gone through all this unnecessary pain um, because I didn't present in the way that, you know, eating disorders typically present. Externally, I did, right? Because exercise addiction counts calories, weighs food, loses weight. Oh, typical anorexic. But I think people forget that eating disorders are not a physical illness. They're mental. And when you cannot unpack the intention or the reason behind the behaviors Mm -hmm. and you're just labeling it as an eating disorder just because it looks like the yeah. skinny person. Um, this is, you know, where the professionals go wrong. um But I mean, it's who they're... can blame them? This is what the textbooks say.
0: Well, also yes, and I mean, you're talking about funding and availability and accessibility. But yes, they are physical. They're manifested physical symptoms of internal distress.
1: Yeah, I yeah. feel
0: very happy. Happy saying that. I think it's. I think it covers everything very well. I'm. Or just also thinking about you reading this book and. Feeling seen, and if you'd been diagnosed as autistic when you were eleven, then probably none of it would have happened, right?
1: I no, I don't. Be- I I actually way? believe that it would have been the same thing because I mean, healthcare professionals don't understand the link between autism and, and eating disorders very well and that's you know the reason why i do the work i do today that's why i wrote my own book rainbow girl which is specifically about my story with aut with being autistic and having an eating disorder um because i i think there's a lot of you know information out there on what is autism how does autism present and then eating disorders how do eating eating disorders present but there's no one really talking about both together, how one can manifest as the other kind of thing. And I think is that's no, where no the problem lies. There is absolutely. upcoming research, but it's very problematic because it's just honestly further stigmatizing and stereotyping eating disorders and and how they present. Because almost all of the research that has been done up to the state of the recording on autism has specifically been on autism and anorexia and not on on the other eating disorders like there's almost nothing to find about autism and binge eating disorder barely anything to find about bulimia um mm. there is you know upcoming research about ARFID so avoidant restrictive yeah. food intake disorder food intake
0: disorder and, and, for sensory yeah, issues yeah, and yeah, how yeah. that's
1: like an, an autism neurodivergent eating disorder Um, that's kind of the first thing that's a problem. And the second thing is, you know, the the weight and the gender bias is probably the biggest issue is all of these studies have been done on mostly females that present with typical anorexia, right? The stereotypical thin white female. um, And to add on to that with access to healthcare. So we're excluding, you know, Men, um, members mm-hmm. of the LGBTQ plus community, we're excluding the people that present with eating disorders in larger bodies. We're excluding the people who don't have access to healthcare. care. Um, and if you think about it, this these excluded groups are a majority of the population. So when we say this many people or 20, 25 percent of people with anorexia is autistic, it's like we're, we're taking the statistic from Zero point zero 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 one percent of the population making this sti- this statistics bullshit. <laughs> basically, um, so yeah, that's actually what my current book that I'm writing is about. It's going to be all about autism and eating disorders and what needs to change in the system to accommodate. To first of all recognize and then accommodate autistic people who are struggling with disordered eating.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I've started to talk about eating disorder behaviors rather than eating disorders mm-hmm. because of the stigmatism that you've flagged up. But I'm also thinking, and I've also touched on this every now and then, I touched on it in previous podcast episodes, and what I'm writing is that there is just a general feeling of malaise in the world and upset yeah. and unrest and conflict and war and... yeah. Um, unfairness and injustice and inequality Mm -hmm. and I mean we could go on couldn't we
1: yeah
0: and there is all this these groups of people as you've so rightly pointed out kind of where else are you going to express it other than in your relationship with food because this is just a, a possible argument that I have because it's accessible and immediate and it's something that if you do have access to food and it's not a problem as in you can't get any food then you're probably going to work it out with your relationship with food or your relationship with your body because it's there, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. And I, what I hear from you is that you want to have a different conversation about all these disorders and ways of treatment and the way that we talk about it. And that's very refreshing mm-hmm. because that's what I try and do as well. And yeah to change our language and and just kind of breathe life in it It, because it's here's the thing Liv I'm a lot older than you and (laughs) when I was yeah well it's true when I was with all my eating disorder behaviors there weren't many people I knew like me And when I finally finished therapy and got myself back on my feet, I had a lot of very good psychotherapy because I had very good psychotherapists. I did lots of other things, but that's where I kind of lay my hat Mm -hmm. at. Yeah, I had no desire to talk about it with anyone. I was absolutely done and bored rigid with all of it. I'm like, come yeah. on! I need to live my. I want to live my life.
1: Honestly, that that's kind of how I'm starting to feel now. <laughs> yeah, because um, now I've yeah. now I've
0: come back into this almost by default, and it, it's yeah. great. I'm happy about it. It's this huge, noisy community.
1: Oh my! Oh my gosh! I mean, we talked about that person stealing my content. Um, yeah, yeah, we it's, did. We yeah, did. and I mean, it's, live, it. Can be someone, very- told, someone
0: stole Liv's content, which was must have been devastating.
1: Yeah, but well, yeah. after after this recording ends, we'll have to talk about that follow up email you okay. sent. <laughs> um okay. we'll
0: do that. But but
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> I completely agree with that sentence you said. We need to breathe life into it, because um, I think you know I I work with a lot of autistic clients mainly now and their parents. And at this point, I'm more I'm very confident as a coach as opposed to like three or you four years ago. You are very confident. Ago. Um, and and one of the Biggest mindset shifts that I have noticed that I now work on with my clients, it's let's stop focusing on eating disorder recovery. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. let's focus on how you want to live your life. Because yeah, how when you, you want to feel that when you are living, an eating disorder does not coexist with, exactly. with life. So I mean, exactly. if you focus on living the eating disorder or the disordered behaviors, they won't be there anymore. I they fade. will they They disappear exactly
0: because you don't need them
1: right you don't need them to feel safe
0: (laughs) no you don't because you're doing things that will make you feel good be it a walk in the park or watching your favorite movie yeah yeah, absolutely yes that's exactly where where i'm at with all of it i we have heard part of your story i would really like you to come back for uh, a proper autistic chat yes
1: (laughs) yes i love it i love it
0: (laughs) come back for an autistic chat and educate me and perhaps we can chat so that parents can hear and younger people can hear and older people can hear your take on all things autistic rather Mm -hmm. than your story because we've had a bit of your story yeah and also maybe you want to talk about adhd as well in the next one yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'd love to. I was talking. I was calling my mom today, who, who basically just said, "Livia, I think I have ADHD," and I was like, "I think you do too, mom." Was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, are any other members of your family that you know of? After, after I was well, my sister was diagnosed with ADHD. My middle sister. Um, my. After, I disco- after we discovered I'm autistic, my dad was diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Um, my youngest sister, she's like a total teenager who's kind of... F- so we can't figure her out yet, but we, okay. I do think she's neurodivergent. And then I'm almost positive my mom has ADHD, um, but my dad is definitely autistic. And my mom's father is right. was autistic and her mother had probably bipolar or, or um one of these other forms of neurodiversity um, and then my parents m- my dad's mom is also autistic <laughs> so it's definitely in the family
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I want, I'm just wondering about your your great-grandparents and and, and how, yeah, how, how, how far back I don't know
1: them I don't know them sure. um, but I'm, I'm sure you know that that it, it goes far back
0: <laughs> yeah it's just amazing and I want to learn to talk about it as in how can I talk about it Liv I want to talk about people who are just different shades of being yeah. neurodivergent does that work
1: yeah I love it different shade yeah I um different tones
0: book- different tones of neurodivergency does that work Diversity. Yeah, yeah
1: because i like to almost compare the autism spectrum to like the electromagnetic spectrum um, like we have all these different ways like x-rays gamma rays ultraviolet rays um and what i love about the electromagnetic spectrum is that there are certain ways that we cannot perceive with the human eye um but that doesn't make these ways less powerful like if you've got a sunburn and That just shows how powerful these ultraviolet rays are, but we can't see the rays. And I I like to to metaphorically see autism as the spectrum because we can't always see autism. Autism does not have a look, but autistic people are incredibly powerful um, when they at least their full potential.
0: Wow. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I'm not going to talk to you much more because we're going to save it, but I do have a final yeah. extremely challenging question for you. Oh, you do? Actually, no, I don't think you're going to find it difficult. If you were going to an island, any kind of island, any uh-huh. kind of weather, what five foods would you take with you? You can change your mind tomorrow. Tomorrow? <laughs> you don't have to be perfect.
1: Um, I'd say oatmeal, strawberries, okay. Okay. peanut butter, uh uh-huh. greek yogurt what kind of peanut butter smooth salted um i usually put my own salt on um okay but okay. but salted is is fine um okay. i mean if i'm on the island i'll get salt from the ocean so okay not too okay. concerned about that um yeah so oatmeal strawberries peanut butter yogurt. greek yogurt greek and yogurt. milk
0: and milk what kind of milk i don't know Just if that regular. counts as a
1: food but Milk. yeah
0: of course it's a food it's, yeah. it's not a metal is it it's a
1: food <laughs> true, true. <laughs> it's liquid
0: <laughs> yeah. you're allowed you're allowed okay thank you so much for coming on Love This Food Thing podcast yeah, I think you're, you're are number one of our season seven so you can find all Liv's information on our website and she will be back later in the season for the autistic chat that's what yes. I'm going to call it so thank we're you so excited. much Liv thank you. thank you thank you thank you If you'd like to learn more about the mission we're on today and who we help, simply head to lovethisfoodthing.com to see all the details.